welcome to everybody, especially to our guests. We're honored to have several guests here, uh, several who came in, came in for the wedding, and we want you to know that you're always an honored guest here at 70 West. You probably found that attendance card inside your visitor's packet. If you don't mind, pass that to the inside aisle and be picked up at this time. Now, before we get into our lesson, let me mention this. Uh, MAP study started this past week. Uh, I've been so excited. Uh, the first lesson, we had over 600 people to study with us. We do have the study guides up here at the front. I ran out this morning. We're going to print some more this afternoon, and we'll have those available this evening. So if you didn't get your copy, you can either pick it up paper-wise uh, this evening or just say, hey, email it to me. We email those out every Tuesday. What you're looking at is what we're going to be studying today, tonight, and Lord willing, next Sunday. Jesus wants us to grow both spiritually and to miraculously. We're going to break it down like this. This morning, it's Jesus wants us. This evening... Jesus wants us to grow. Next Sunday a.m., Jesus wants us to grow both spiritually and numerically. And then, in my opinion, the most important lesson. Next Sunday evening. So what? How to become a, a contagious Christian. How do we share our faith? Now, today's lesson is Jesus wants us. But I'm going to make one change. I want to make one change to today's lesson. Let's change the pronoun from Jesus wants us to Jesus wants you. Because this lesson is all going to be about you. Jesus wants you to make a difference. I want you to think of five people that you know. I want you to think of five people that you dearly love. I want you to think of five people that are very important in your life. But let's narrow it down a little bit. Those five people, those five people, make them non-Christians. Or a Christian who's no longer faithful. I want you to think of five people that you just love, love, love who are either not a Christian or is an unfaithful Christian. Now, do you have your five locked in into your mental photograph album? Do you have it right here? Your five. Now, what happens... What happens eternally if you're five, the five people that you just love, 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 those five people who are either not a Christian or they're not a faithful Christian? What happens to your five if they don't obey, if they don't repent before they die? Then what happens? You know, just paint the word hell over that mental picture. Well, that doesn't sound good, Michael. These are people that I love. These are people that are important to me. Well, if we believe the Bible, if they don't obey, 
or if they're unfaithful, if they don't repent, they're going to spend eternity in hell. Well, I don't even like to say it, Michael, but it's true. Furthermore, your five, your five most likely will not become a Christian due to the efforts of any one of our elders, due to the efforts of either Billy or myself, due to the efforts of any of our deacons or maybe any of our Bible class teachers because we don't know them the way you know them. You see, for most people, most people become a Christian through the influence of a close friend or a close family member. And we don't have that connection that you do. You see, your five will most likely become a Christian only due to your efforts. And that's the reason why we changed this lesson from Jesus wants us to Jesus wants you. Because you see, it's going to come on your shoulders. It's because of your efforts. But Michael, Michael, one of my five, one of my five is very religious. One of my five is just as good as, I tell you what, just as good as the day is long. You don't know my five. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Did you catch that? That's not the murderers. Jesus is not speaking to the murderers there. He's not speaking to the bank robbers. He's not speaking to the Hitlers and the Saddam Husseins and the Bin Ladens of the world. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to good religious people. Good people who had done so many good works. Let me be very frank with you. This hurts. Let me talk about two failings. One failing that I cannot correct and one failing that I hope I can correct. My grandmother, when I was born, you know, my parents were up there in years when I was born. When I was born, I only had one grandparent left. That was my mother's mother. She was 80 years young, as she would say. She died the day I turned 16, at the age of 96. Billy, this hurts. I became a Christian just before I turned 13. Do you know I never shared my love for Jesus with my grandmother? I had just over three years opportunity to do that. My grandmother was religious, 
but she was religiously wrong. Where will she spend eternity? In hell. I don't like saying that. My other failing. One of my best childhood friends, when, when uh, back in grade school, if you saw me, you saw this other guy. We were always together. I mean, we were just, we, you couldn't separate us. As I mentioned, I became a Christian just before I turned 13. And my, my good buddy, he was not a Christian. And he started going more to the group that was drinking and doing other things. And that wasn't what I was going to do. And we grew apart. Did I share my love for Jesus with my childhood friend? No. Whose fault is it? My fault. I am now taking steps to correct that. You see, your five, your five is depending on you to make a difference. To make a difference for them for all eternity. There was a man who wanted to sell his 1996 old beat up car. Now, this happened not too long ago. And, um, you know, selling a car that's over 20 years old is not the easiest thing in the world. But guess what? He worked, his profession, he made movie trailers. You know what a movie trailer is? You know, that's those things they show before the main feature is showed. You know, little two, three, four minute uh, previews of upcoming movies. Well, in his line of work, he made movie trailers. He decided to make a movie trailer all about his car. And boy, I tell you what. Tom, it was snazzy. I mean, it was professionally done. It was so, I mean, it, it ended up having over a million hits on YouTube. He did sell his car. But the man who bought the car never saw How did he end up buying it? Because he saw the car sitting out on the street with a for sale sign on it. Here's my point. Some Christians think they have to uh, sensationalize the old gospel to, to sell it to an unbelieving world. We've got to change things up and, and we've got to make it snazzy and exciting and we've got to entertain. Or at the very least, we've got to put together a very polished presentation. That's not the case at all. More often than not, the gospel impacts people simply because they see it on the street. In other words, they see it displayed in the lives of people they know. That's you. Do you want to change the world for the better? Do you want to influence your five to follow Jesus? Look at verse 13 of Matthew 5. You are the salt. Circle that word salt. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underneath foot, underfoot 
by men. Do you want to change your world for the better? Do you want to impact your five? Every time you see me do like this, I want you to think of your five. Do you want to influence people to follow Jesus? Then notice what Jesus said in verse 13. He says to you, and only to you, who depend on Him, you are salt. Don't lose it. How do you like eating food without salt? Not very fun, is it? You know, I, I'm on a low salt diet. Don't really like it. The food doesn't taste as good. You see, you are salt. You can make a difference. First century rabbis uh, used to use salt as a, as a symbol for wisdom. To lose your saltiness means to become foolish. Uh, literally, it means to become a moron, okay? In fact, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in chapter 7 uses the same root word at the end of his sermon to describe the fool who builds his house on the sand. Remember what happened? And his house went splat. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. Your five, your five need your salt. They need your example. Jesus wants you to make a difference. Are you willing to make a difference? It starts with prayer. Are you willing today to make a commitment to your five that you're going to pray every day without failing for your five? Are you ready to do that? That's step number one. In the military, they talk about blast radius. When they are talking about a bomb, they talk about blast radius. It's not just where the bomb impacts, it's how far out that radius is felt from the bomb. Guess what? You have a blast radius. We call it a love radius. Do you have a positive effect on people around you? You can simply by being who you are. Salt in a tasteless world. Jesus wants you to make a difference. It starts with prayer. When we get to the contagious Christian lesson next Sunday evening, that's the first step. I'll go ahead and tell you, that's the step one. It's prayer. I was a strange kid growing up. Okay, I will admit it. I was a strange kid growing up. I enjoyed reading and I read a lot of the classics. One summer, I decided to read the Russian classics. Yeah, I know, talking about, uh, you know, Gone with, uh, not Gone with the Wind, but uh, War and Peace and, and like uh, uh, Dr. Zhivago and things like that. I also read a story, a book called The Two Old Men. In the story of Two Old Men, it's about Ephraim and Elisha. Ethan and Elisha are living in Russia and they decide before their life was to end, they wanted to go to Jerusalem together. So they started walking. They knew it was going to take months upon months upon months to reach Jerusalem, but they started walking. 
and they came upon a village. But something was wrong. They noticed the crops in the fields, and the crops had not been attended. It was very obvious the crops were not being attended to. And they looked on the streets of that village, and they didn't see anybody out on the streets. And they started checking on it, and, and it came, it was because there was a, 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 a disease going through that village. And people were sick. People couldn't get out. Ethan said, I feel like God has brought me here for a reason. I'm going to stay a few days and try to help these people. You go ahead, Elisha, and go ahead, and I'll catch up with you. Just go ahead and go on to Jerusalem. I'll catch up. Elisha went ahead and went to Jerusalem. In fact, he stayed there about a year waiting for his friend Ephraim to arrive. He never arrived. Finally, after about a year, he decided to go back to Russia. As he goes back to Russia, he enters into a village. He thought, this village reminds me. Oh, this is that village that we were in that was dying. But now the village wasn't dying. The crops were being taken care of. People were out on the, on the streets, uh, walking around. You know, people were out and about. He asked, what, what, what's happened here? The people, the citizens, they didn't know Elisha. So they said, well, there was a man that came through here over a year ago. And he stayed several, several months with us and helped us to get through that disease. They said, we had a need, and he fulfilled that need. He showed us the love of God, which was our biggest need. You too can make your world a better place just by engaging it as a follower of Christ. In your pilgrimage toward heaven, don't neglect the needs of people around you. Look at that word needs. Needs open up doors into people's hearts. How many times have you asked your five, hey, would you study with me? How many times have you asked your five, hey, would you come to worship service with me? And you got to know. They said, no, I'm not interested. You are not asking at the right time. Wait until a need is there. When people have a need, they start to realize that they ultimately need the Lord. When they hear that word cancer, they need support, encouragement. When they lose their job, they need someone to talk to and help them. When they have that new baby in their home, you know, hey, uh, there's a lot of needs there. You know, we, you know, we got a lot of needs, right? When they come and move to a new community, they need a friend. You see, when a need is there, that opens up a door into their hearts. Don't neglect those needs. As a follower of Christ, you are salt. Just be who you are to preserve and improve the world around you. Furthermore, make people thirsty for Jesus. Cause people to want to know Him personally. When people see Jesus in you, they want to know what makes you the way you are. 
You know, you've heard, we've all heard this expression. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Hogwash. I can make any horse drink. All I got to do is feed him a lot of salt and he's going to drink. You feed him salt. You feed your five people salt. In your life as a follower of Jesus, make people thirsty for him. Jesus says, you are salt, don't lose it, don't diminish it. More than that, Jesus says, you are light. Don't hide it. You are a guide in a dark world. You are a comfort in darkness. Don't cover it. You are truth and joy. Don't conceal it. Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 2 Corinthians. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How do we end, how do I end every one of my online videos? It is our hope. It is our wish. It is our prayer that we all live for Jesus 24-7. I say that up to 12 times a week on those videos. People need to see Jesus. In our lives. Let me give you two quick examples. One positive, one negative. Let me tell you about Junior. Junior quit school in the 10th grade. That's not a very good story, is it? Well, let me tell you some more about Junior. Junior quit school in the 10th grade to take care of his family. His dad, well, his mom had had an accident, had become an invalid, a shut-in, his dad left his wife and his four children, with Junior being the oldest, and just left town. He didn't want to take care of them. Junior quit school to take care of his mother and his three younger siblings. The superintendent of the school knew what was going on and hired Junior to be the janitor at the school. Eventually, after working there 50 years, he became the head janitor. When Junior died, now Junior was a Christian. When Junior died, they had his funeral at the church building. Every pew was packed. They put out chairs in the middle of the aisles. They were occupied. There was chairs in the back. They were occupied. People actually were standing for this funeral, when the preacher got up there, he noticed some out-of-towners, uh, out-of-town people, some family that really didn't know Junior, but came in for the family, were seated over here. He looked at those people from out-of-town. He said, you folks don't understand. You don't understand why this building is packed to the gills today. Let me explain it. He then turned to the rest of the audience. He said, 
if you became a Christian because of the influence of Junior, if you in your life had been encouraged through the example of Junior, would you please stand up? Virtually everybody in that building stood up. Friends, that's influence. That's what you and I can do. Now, let me give you the opposite example. Go back to 1980, 42 years ago. It was the first time I ever had a person that I was just positive was going to become a Christian. And he turned me down. 1980. What happened? Well, we were studying, everything was going great. And I was positive, I was sure this guy's going to become a Christian. I made the mistake. Hey, did you know that your neighbor just down the road is a Christian, goes to church, and blah, blah, blah. His Bible slammed shut like that. He said, that guy's a Christian? I don't want to be a Christian if that guy's a Christian. You see, our influence can either be for the positive or our influence could be for the negative. How are you impacting your five today? Remember, Jesus wants you to make a difference. Now, in verse 16 and 17, you know, Jesus is saying, let your light shine. And then over, look over in verse 1 of chapter 6. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. What's, what's different there? You see, in chapter 6, we're doing good things to make us look good. We don't do good things to make us look good. We do good deeds to make God the Father look good. Just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and imagine that you are blind. Think about how different your world would be. If you look in your refrigerator, how can you tell if that milk is expired or not? If you have some directions on a prescription, how do you read that prescription if you're blind? Well, actually, there's an app called Be My Eyes. And that app, there are uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers who serve that app. And blind people can open up that app on their phone. And that app is then connected to the camera in the phone. And there's a person talking to you through the app. You can shine your phone on that gallon of milk or on that prescription bottle and they will read it to you. That way you know what it says. Folks, we are the eyes of a blind world. In the same way, you can provide insight to those who are spiritually blind as you live your life. You live in dependence upon Christ. Just let Jesus shine through you and don't hide. Don't hide what God is doing for you, even in your pain, even in your troubles. You see, it's easy to shine in times of comfort and convenience. But when you let Jesus shine through you in times of discomfort, pains and problems, people, you're five. 
find relief and joy. Shine and provide insight to those in darkness and distress. If you want to make a difference in a dark and decaying world, get out of the salt shaker, get out from under the basket, and just be who you are, salt and light. In other words, shake some salt and shine some light. Shake and shine for Jesus just by letting people see the real you as you live your life in dependence upon Him. If you go into a house and it's dark at night, do you blame the house? Well, no. You say, where? Where's that light switch? You know, where's that light switch for me to turn on to get the lights on? In the same way, if our world becomes more corrupt, and it actually is, do you blame the world? No. You say, where? Where is the church today? Folks, you are the church. My dear friends, let Jesus shine in you. Let's just be the Lord's church wherever God puts us this week. Let's make a difference. Make a difference in your five because they are depending on you. Don't be like me who let my grandmother die without knowing the real Jesus. You make a difference in them. You know how I end every sermon? It's, you've seen this. Actually, I'll be coming up in uh, next month. I've been here five years. I'll be starting by six years. Think about how many times you've seen this. God's simple plan of salvation. It's not hard. Folks, it's not hard. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? He's ready to hear those words from you. The church stands ready to pray with you and with you. We'll have two elders up here waiting for you. If you have a need to respond, please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Yeah, yeah.